Who wants a happy life? Only one, two. Who wants a happy life? Who wants to have a risk-free life? Happiness in life, you know? If you go to the world today and you ask people, what is a happy life? You will get a lot of answers, wouldn't you? Money, you know, if I can just win the lotto. We don't play lotto. My brother said it last time. We're not lucky people. No, no, we don't go for luck. No, no, we are blessed people, yeah? So some person say, if you give me 10,000 right now, I'll be happy, happy, happy. Very, very happy. And I give you the $10,000 and you, you get into your car and you drive down and somebody give, give you a bender vendor. Is that how you say it? They drive into your car and the, now you've got expenses and gone is your $10,000 and your happiness is gone, yeah? Some people say, give me a lot of friends. Yeah, friends makes me happy. Who says that? Friends, I want friends. The Bible says by a friend you will be known, Yeah? whether they are good, whether they are bad friends. And uh, you are very, very happy with your friends and one day they gossip about you and it comes to your ears and then the happiness is gone, isn't it? Have you experienced that as well? Is it only me? So what is happiness? We want happy lives. Somebody said, you know, just give me peace of mind that I will be healthy all my life. Well, I've got news for you. You won't be healthy all your life. You will get diseases, you will get pains, you will get aches and all of these things. I, I don't know about you, but I've read it. I've read the Bible. Folks, we're all going to die. Saying that in a funeral home. <laughs> we're all going to die. You, you must make peace with death. And the best place that you can make peace with death is through Jesus Christ. The, the Bible says to me that He took away the sting of death. Yeah? He took it away. Uh, somebody said to me one day, I'm not afraid of death, it's how I'm going to die. But doesn't he know how you're going to die? And didn't he say that when you were tempted, he will help you and support you wherever you are? Now we're going to have pain, we've got pain, you know, you, you know me in the beginning of this year, I had tremendous pain, I was in hospital, but you know, there's some people in this place who would say, we've went through terrible things. So what is happy life? I want to talk to you about that. Now what I'm going to talk to you today about, if I, if I do this as a seminar in the world, they would laugh at me. So what are you talking about? There's something loose in there, you know, it's knocking up there. But I want to talk to you today about three cornerstones of a happy life. Three cornerstones of a happy life. We, are, we spoke about guarding your heart over the last few weeks, you remember that? And uh, it was really hard. We looked at how to guard our heart and all of the things that we need to keep out of our hearts, not to fester in there. Because what is in the heart influences the soul, and the soul influences this body. And sometimes, no, not sometimes, I've seen it so many times, that people make decisions on a point of emotional decisions, and then they make the wrong decision. And then they start blaming others for that decision. I always say to people, where you are today is because of the decisions that you have made yesterday and the day before. So if you are satisfied today, praise the Lord, you made good decisions. If you are not satisfied with some circumstance in your life, then go and check your decisions that you've made. And whenever you make a decision, don't make rash decisions. Don't make it when you're emotional. Give it time. I've had a dear old saint in uh, New Zealand, he passed on now, Brother Pete Compton, he said to me, you know, if something comes my way, I give it to the Lord three times. There's no biblical reference for that, but he did that. And I've, I've adapted that. 
somebody comes to me and they say, we've got a great thing for you. Uh, let's do this. I say, let's put it to the Lord and let's pray about it. If it comes back again, then I'm going to say, Lord, why did it come back again? Now I'm praying about it and I'm giving it back to you again, Lord. And I continue with my life. If it comes back a third time, you go, Lord, now you've got my attention about this. So uh, we want to do that. So the best place to find a place of happiness, and I'm going to talk a lot about it today, is in this book. Because this book is the mind of God and He takes you to the God of the book. Yes? I don't want you to fall in love with your Bible. I want you to fall in love with the writer of the Bible. The author of this Bible. Yeah? So where do we go to if we want to start talking about the Bible? I want to open up in Psalm 1. We're going to talk in Psalm 119 and I'm going to preach a few sermons, Lord willing, in Psalm 119. We're going to park there for a few weeks maybe leading up to December, and then when we come back for after December, we will start with uh, 1 Peter. That is the plan. But God can change the plan, as you know, Bree. Yeah? God can change the plan. But I want to, for the next few weeks, talk about Psalm 119. Now, how do we do that? I want to use Psalm 1 to springboard into Psalm 19. 119. Because I believe they, they go together. The psalmist say there in Psalm 1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but has his delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I love this verse. I love this psalm. It's Psalm 1. It's easy for you to find it. In fact, what you should do for the next week, read the psalm every single night before you go to bed and see how the Lord will bless you. This is a powerful psalm. He uses the word blessed there. He said, blessed is the man who walks not. And he goes into a negative. But he says blessed, and blessed means happy. That's where we find our word happiness from. Blessed, happy is the man. And he gives us a formula here. He says to you and to me as children of God, are you a child of God this morning? Are you a blood-washed child of God? Are you a saint? Not the saints that you find in the Roman Catholic Church. No, no. The saints are the blood-washed, born-again children of God. If that is you this morning, this is where you're going to find your blessedness. This is where you're going to find your happiness. This is what the psalmist says. He says, blessed is the man who walks not... And look at this now. These are all action words. Have you noticed? He uses action words. He says, who walks not, who sit not, and who stand not. But I want you to see the progress here. The pathway that he uses here of breaking momentum in your Christian walk. In your Christian growth. You see, we all when we were born again, we were little babies. We need to grow up spiritually. But there's still people, and it doesn't matter how old you are. There could be people who's 50 years old. There could be people who are 60 years old. Or there could be people who are 30 years old who are still immature in the spirit. This is what Paul talks about. But the quickest way for you to lose momentum in your spiritual growth is to walk in this path. He says if you walk, now I've noticed somebody who's walking, there's a lot of momentum going on. We were in the Gold Coast and at one stage I was sitting there for an hour just watching people. 
just watching people. I love it. It's one of my most favorite things to do. I, I've got my dark glasses on so that they go and don't see I watch them, yeah? <laughs> they think I'm shining from the sun, but I just watch people because I love people. I love everybody in this place, but I love people and I watch them. Yeah, the actions, and they go, he's a weirdo, isn't he? I've noticed something. I've noticed something. I've got grandchildren now, and this is the first trip that we went to Gold Coast that I went as a grandpa, as an opa. We went with the grandchildren, and when I sat down there, all of a sudden I noticed all the opas and the omas. And I started feeling old. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it true? I mean, you, you, you watch a car, you want to go and buy a new car, and you walk into the car lot and you see this beautiful car. Hey, look at, look at this little polo. Oh, it's a beautiful car. You've never seen this car before, but I'll bet you, in the next week when you drive, you'll see all the polos on the car. Because your eye gate has been opened for that. My eye gate this holiday has been opened. I'm getting older. I'm getting a grandpa and a grandma now. But this is what I do. I like to watch people. And as they walk past, you can see this momentum going on while you walk. And he says here, he says you should not walk, not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Why? Because you will eventually come to a point where you stand. And I've seen a lot of people standing. And it's when you're standing, you start breaking that momentum. And eventually you will sit and it will take a lot of effort to get you out of that group. So this is the negative. Watch your life. Don't break the momentum. What's going to break your momentum? It's these counsels that you're taking from the ungodly. If you need counsel in your life, come to the mighty counselor. His name is Jesus. If you need counsel, don't start running to people first. Run to your word. You know, Leonie and myself, when we do counseling, and people come and sit there with us, and they tell us their story, you know where we go? We start reading them scripture verses. And then they go and find another counselor. But I can do nothing for them. And that counselor can do nothing for them. But I know somebody who can do a lot for them. And his name is Jesus. He's the mighty counselor. And here people find the counsel of the ungodly. And then they stand in the path of the sinners. It means they, they start doing those things. And then they start sitting in the seat. But this is not where the verse starts. Praise the Lord for that. He says, but they delight. Their delight is the pleasure. Uh, this means their pleasure, their desire, their purpose, their willingness is in what? In the law of the Lord. In the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? It is the Word of God for us. It's the Bible. It doesn't mean you need to do like the Jews do now and walk with that little black box. Have you seen them, the Orthodox Jews? Have you seen them when they walk with that? They've got a leather strap and they've got the little black box there. Do you know what's in that box? It's the Ten Commandments. It's the law. We don't have to do that. I don't have to have the law all over so that I can see it every day. Because the law is through Jesus Christ written and engraved on the doorpost of my heart. But you know what covers that law? Even better. The blood of Christ. You see, our hearts are now covered with the blood of Christ. That is the new covenant. And here he says, happy is he who's got his delight in the law of the 
Lord. It is so wonderful. Because if you go to verse 3 now, he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I love this. Have you seen a river that brings forth its fruits in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, or whatever he does, he shall prosper. This is so wonderful. I grew up in South Africa and there was a big river, not the mighty Murray River, but it was called the mighty Val River. Okay, it sounds so South African, the Val River, but it was a big river. And I could remember as we were driving and coming over a hillside and there where I came from, it, it becomes really dry and you can literally see where the river is, not by the water, but by the trees that is next to the river. And those trees would be green. The whole environment around it is dry, is brittle, is brown. But there where the river is, what is there? There is greenness. And this is where we are, brothers and sisters. We are all living. You and I are living in a dry world. It's thirsty for the Word of God. And I wonder, I just wonder if you are like that tree that is planted into that river. Into that river. It's not a drop of water. It is the rivers of water. And this is what you and I need to be. We don't need to look like the world, thirsty and dry and hungry. No, no, we need to be looking green and vital for the God, vitality of the Holy Spirit through us in this dry and dusty world. People should come to you as the tree of righteousness. They should come to you and say, what have you got that we don't have? We always look at you and your tree, your leaves always looks green. You always have fruit for us to come to you. Is that you this morning? Is that you? He says it right there. He says they shall be like a tree planted, planted by the rivers of water. The rivers of water, I want to think here, represents the Word of God. It represents prayer. It represents the life of faith. You know, when people look at the child of God, they should see the faith in you. You shouldn't be just like the world worrying about every single thing that's coming your way. And it's only by immersing yourself in the Word of God and maintaining a deep prayer life and living out your faith that you can live and start growing in your spirit. That's how you grow. And the world needs people like you and me to grow. In the faith. The world need us. The world need Jesus. And how do they find Jesus? They find Jesus through us. If you're not going to open up your mouth and start testifying about Jesus, then He's got to use other means. But I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, He's not going to send the angels to preach the gospel right now. It's coming in Revelation, but not right now. It's you and I that needs to be that tree. Are you that tree this morning? I'm just asking the question. You see, we need to be like planted into these rivers. And have you noticed that trees, when you plant them, they take time to produce fruit? Have you noticed? They don't just produce fruit like that. No, no. You need to spend time with the Lord. You want a happy life? Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Him. Immerse yourself into that. You know, He was standing there that one day. Lincoln, He was standing there on the outside, on the steps there. They were doing their rituals. And Jesus was standing there and He says, Come to Me and springs of living water will gush from the inside out. How full are you this morning? How much have you got to give the world this morning? How much are you a dry, thirsty well? Where do you get the water from? How can you walk with a step 
and a hop and a skip while everybody is pulling themselves along. There's only one place that you will find that energy and that's through the Holy Spirit living in your life. You find it at the well, Jesus Christ. And this is what it's going on about. I better hurry on, man. I'm getting so excited about the Word of God. Now look at this now. He says, it is not good for you to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, to stand there or to sit in the seat of the scornful, but you delight in the law of the Lord and you will prosper. It is so wonderful. It's a beautiful psalm. Because in verse 4 he says, the ungodly are not so. Again, he comes back to the ungodly. And it amazes me and it shocks me that you find sometimes when you look into churches that even church members are not so. They are not so. They are not emerged into the rivers of water. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Have you seen chaff? I haven't, but I've heard about it. And uh, you can go on YouTube it these days. But chaff has got nothing. It's no, it's, it's like fluff. It's like popcorn. There's no substance. It sits around the kernel. You know, the, the good stuff's on the outside and that chaff is on the outside. It just hangs on there. It just hangs on there. It's like a parasite, you know. And, and you get a lot of those. Where, where the anointing is, where the Spirit of God is, you always have those, those who hang around. They feel they are part of it, but they are never part of it. And then comes there a day when that hole, you know, you, you put the fork in or, or the shovel and you throw it up into the air and there's a wind that blows. And you know what happens? Because there's no substance, it blows away. This is why he says they will not be able, he says they will not stand in the judgment. Why? Because they've got no substance. I wonder if you will stand before him in the judgment one day with the substance of the grace of God in your heart. Nothing else. I'm not saying that you need to work hard and to become a better Christian. No, no. You immerse yourself into Christ and what's going to happen? You are his workmanship and he will change you into the image of his son. And here we find it now. He says, no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Let me just say, for those who think that there's many ways that lead, leads to heaven, God will not allow a sinner into heaven who hasn't come to the cross of Christ. He will not. You can have all your excuses. You can say, but my dad, but my mom, but my oma, that means grandma, but my opa, that means grandpa. But, but nothing. You will not stand in the congregation. Listen, it's so sad to know that there are so many people over your lifespan that you know that will not be in the congregation of the righteous one day. My question is, not to worry about them, but to think about you. And he says it here now, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, and, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I want to come back to verse 2 because this is the series I want to take. Don't forget about the word series. I just want to talk a little bit in the next few weeks about the delight in the law. I actually put it in this way. Delighting in or desiring the word of God. That's what I want to use. I want to use that as a topic for over the next few weeks. Is that okay with you? I was going to do it anyway. But I thought I'll put one, both up there and we will vote and find out which one do you think is best. Shall we call it the delight in the Word of God or the desiring in the Word of God? You know what? It doesn't care. It's the same. But let's delight ourselves in the Word of God. Let's go now to Psalm 119. Amen? What a good introduction to Psalm 119. 
Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, if you want to interpret Scripture, interpret Scripture with Scripture. Yes, have you heard what I said? We need to believe in context, context, context. Don't come with one verse and build the whole doctrine and theology around it. And this is it. Psalm chapter Psalm 1 has now leading into Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a wonderful psalm. And in fact, Fabian and myself was talking about it a few weeks ago because there's only two verses there which is not mentioning the Word of God. We'll come to that. But Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in your Bible. It's 176 verses. It's a long psalm. Uh, 171 verses mentions the Word of God. So there's a few. There's five, this says. It is an acrostic poem of the Hebrew alphabet, which I find absolutely fascinating. It's the Hebrew alphabet. So there is 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. It starts with Alpha and it ends with Omega. And then Beth and all of those letters in there. But if you look at the Psalm 119, it is broken up in 22 units of 8 verses each. And each one of those 22 units is a sermon in itself. It's a beautiful sermon. Go and break them up. Go do that this afternoon. Go do it this night. Read them. Take 22 days and read them in units. Take a pen and paper and ask the Holy Spirit to start speaking to you. And you will be amazed how He will open up His Word to you. Now each one of these 22 units begins with the alphabet. So we're going to talk about the first eight today. And it starts with the alphabet A, Aleph, the Alpha. Now, if you go back and you look in, 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 I've got one of those Bibles, the interlinear Bibles, each one of these verses starts with the A, which is so fascinating. And we need to understand that this Bible, this Holy Scriptures, this sacred Scriptures, yes, it was penned by man, but it was authored by God. It was authored by God. So when I look at Psalm 119 and I meditate upon it, which I did there in the Gulf Coast, it was fantastic. And I sat there and I look over the beautiful, in the warm heat, shall I say, look over the beautiful sea and I started reading in the psalm and I read it again. It is so beautiful how the Lord starts opening it up and I think, Lord, how wonderful is it? How magnificent is it that a creator of this universe that my small little brain can't even contemplate writes me a letter. Have you ever thought of it like that? Hey, Linda, I mean, this boy was born in Stilfontein, a gold mining community in South Africa, <clears throat> grew up, and Murray had me on his mind when he wrote it. This is what got me in this week. How special are you sitting here this morning? That he had you on his mind when he started writing this. And then I got down into these 22, breaking up, and I read the first one, and I said, Father... It's not about me you writing it there. It is for me that you wrote it there. I love it. So, uh, I don't know if any one of you knows Matthew Henry. But he's a great 18th century Bible commentator. And he was introduced to Psalm 119 as a child. And his father, Philip Henry, told his children to take one verse of Psalm 119 every morning to meditate on. Will you do that? So easy, isn't it? Just take one verse every morning when you wake up. Open it up. Take that verse and say, Father, today I'm going to take this one verse. Write it on a piece of paper. 
take it with you wherever you go. When you've got lunch time or even if you go to the toilet. You've got some time there. Take out the verse, read the verse, start talking to God about it. So Lord, what did you mean? You wrote this. You the author of what it, why did you write this for me? What, what is it, Father? Get excited about it. This is what his dad said. He says, he said, take one verse every morning and there, thereby you will go through the entire psalm twice in a year. Twice. Now Philip said to his children, this will bring you to be in love with all the rest of the scriptures. Will you go and do that? That's what we need to do. We need to fall in love with the word of God. Because through the word of God, we come to the God of the word. To the God of the word. Now Matthew Henry loved the Bible so much that he wrote the commentary that's still used today. I still read Matthew Henry's commentaries to you. They, if you don't, it's very, very enlightful. Now I don't read these commentaries as the word of God. I read it as a commentary. First I read the word of God. Yes, and I love this one. This is a beautiful one which I came across. George Wizard was a bishop of Edinburgh in the 17th century and he was condemned to death for his faith. But when he was on the scaffold and they started getting ready to burn him, he made use of a custom that allowed the condemned person to choose one psalm to be sung and, to, and he chose Psalm 119. <laughs> Clever man. <laughs> I would have chosen Psalm 1 and I would have been burned. <laughs> but then it says there that before two-thirds of the psalm had been sung, his pardon arrived and he was saved. His life was saved. You see, the Word of God is life. It's never death. It talks about death, but in death there's life. In Christ, in His death, there's life for us. So let's get now to the three cornerstones of a happy life. And we're just going to look at the first three, uh, the first eight verses. The first cornerstone we find in verse 1 to verse, verse 4. He says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Who remembers Psalm 1? He says, not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Here we find the opposite. This is more positive. He says, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies. Who seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. They have commanded us to keep His precepts diligently this is so wonderful brothers and sisters the first cornerstone is obedience to the word of god if you want to have a happy life listen to me now if you want to have a blessed life start to obey god's word in your life you will find you in a place where he wants you to be yes there can be trouble in that place but you will be happy in a troublesome time I find it fascinating, obedience to the word. If there's one word that you walk out of this place today, it's the word obedience. It's a cornerstone. If you start obey the word of God, you will start coming into purity. You see, he says, blessed are the undefiled. It means the pure, purity. Do you, have you got purity in your life? Since Adam, you, see, you, you know why Adam started hiding from God? Because he didn't have a pure heart anymore. He sinned against God. If you want to get rid of, of, of undefilements in your life, come to the Word of God. He says, start walking in the law of the Lord. Start coming to the Word of God. Start reading the Word of God. Obedience is the key to the blessing in both the Old and the New Testament. Have you noticed? 
In the Old Testament, that nation Israel, every time they obeyed, what did God do? He blessed them. Yes? And every time they disobeyed, what did He do? He punished them. Why are you different from them? What, what made you special? Oh, but I'm a child of God. You know, I'm a born again. Yes. So if you are going to stop obeying Him, guess what's going to happen? He's going to discipline you. Oh, but Lord, why do you do it to me? Go back. Go back into the Word. Start walking in the law of the Lord. Start reading your Bible. Maybe we will start talking to you. The idea for walk here is, is how we continually conduct ourselves. That's what it means there. If we walk, is how we conduct ourselves. We walk in the law. It means I do an action. I, I read something, I hear a sermon, and the preacher is really hard on reading my Bible, and now I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit convicts me about something in my life. You know what you need to do? You need to start walking in it. Take an action. Well, how do you take an action in that point? You come to the Holy Spirit, you come to Jesus, and you confess. You say, Lord, I confess. I'm doing it. I'm a sinner. I've done it. And now what do you do? You start filling your heart with the Word of God that you don't do it again. You fill your heart with that. You see, look at this. He says, walk in the law. You meditate on it. Keep His, his testimonies. You do them and you seek Him. Walk, keep, seek. Walk, keep, seek. With the Word of God. Into the, into the law of the Lord. And you know what's going to do? The Word is going to start to it's going to start to purify your life. You, you're going to see words coming out. The Holy Spirit is going to change you. The Word energizes you through the Holy Spirit. And now let me just say this. You know, there's a lot of people who's, who's just going by the Word and they ignore the Holy Spirit. And this is why Paul says at one stage, the letter kills, but the Spirit may, brings life. It's not only the, the Word... Look at this verse here. He says, John 6, verse uh, 63. This is Jesus' word. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And what do we need to do? We need to walk, keep, seek. That's what we need to do. 2 Corinthians, this is where he says it. He says, uh, Paul writes, he says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant? Not to the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So it's the Word with God and the Holy Spirit who opens it up for you and it will start to give you life. James chapter 1 verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. But this is what people don't want to do anymore. You know, I, I, I look around... I tune in. In some churches, they will read the Word of God, two verses, and they will start talking tales. Tell you stories. You won't get this here. We go verse by verse, don't we? How many Scripture verses have you been introduced to today? Last week, I've listened to my brother when he preached. He's into the Word. Break it open. Fresh bread. Smell the bread of God. Eat the Word. Become nourished by the Word of God. I love it when I go through a, a pastor bakery and you smell the fresh bread. What happens? Man, I'm so hungry now. It pulls you. It's like a hook. You should be like that with the Word of God. Yeah, yes. You should open up the Word and you go, 
Father, I smell the Word of God. You know, there's an interesting thing that I've read, which is so wonderful. We sing that song like Honey in the Rock. You remember that song that we sang? You know what the Jewish do with their little children, the Jews? When they introduce them into the synagogues, they sit them down and they bring out the Torah. The Torah is the law. And you know what they do? They take honey and they put it on a little bit of honey on the tip of the paper and they walk to their little children and they put them on their lips. They taste the honey. And this is what they say, the law of God is like sweet as honey. And they fall in love with the Torah. Have you got the honey taste of God on the Word of God? Here it is, brothers and sisters. I love this following verse. I love this verse. Look at here in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter, chap, right, come on, chapter 2 verse 13. He says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because you received the Word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Have you received the word of God? And have you welcomed the word of God? Have you ever heard about this thing where uh, your wife might come up to you and say, are you listening to me or are you hearing me? Now, when, if your wife comes to you and saying that, you're in trouble some way, somewhere. Say, what, what do you mean? If you're hearing me, I can hear the voice. But are you listening to me? Are you listening what I'm saying? And by the way, it works the other way around as well. <laughs> I can see all the wives in there, they're looking at the husbands now. But we should listen to one another. And this is what it comes down to. You see, for some of you sit here today and you will just hear the South African accent coming through, the Kiwi accent. And you hear it and you hear it. But I want you to hear the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God today. He wants to talk to you and He talks to you through His Word. Let it become alive in you through the Holy Spirit. This is what it is. Receive the Word and obey the Word. That is the first, the first foundation. Uh, uh, listen to, 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 I'm going to give you more scriptures. Listen to Moses in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, verse six, 46. It could have been Moses standing here and talking to you. And he said to them, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today. Everybody say all. all. What does all mean? All. Well, it means all. He says, set your words on all the words which I testify, which you shall command your children to be careful and to observe, to obey all the words of this law. For it is not futile thing for you, because it is your life. Who wants to have a blessed life? Come on, show me. Who wants to have a happy life? Here we go. Start reading the Word of God. Start coming closer to God through His Word. And by this Word you shall prolong the days in the land which you shall cross. And listen now, this is in Matthew. Jesus, He said, he said to them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I've got a question for you today. Do you really believe the words of Moses and the words of Jesus? Which you see there. Do you believe that? Then do it. Start doing it. And you will experience a happy life. That's the first cornerstone is obedience. Let's look at the second one. Look at Psalm 119 verse 5. He says, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. 
then I would not be ashamed when I looked into all your commandments. What's he doing now? Have you noticed how he changes? Into prayer. The second cornerstone for a happy life is prayer. This is how it works. And my brother Oral preached about it last week. He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Lord, I pray that you direct my ways. Who knows that as a child of God, your ways are directed by Him. The Bible says that He directs your footsteps. You came into the church here this morning out of your own free will, but you were directed. You were directed by the Holy Spirit. When I looked into your commandments, He says, Father, I pray that you will open up whenever I read the Word of God. Father, I pray that you open it up to me. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, for some, this is a closed book. Even if it's open, it's a closed book. You need the Holy Spirit to open up. We can't keep it. We can't keep the Word of God in our own strength. We need His direction. We need His direction. Let me finish this morning. So the first one is obey. Obey the Word of God. And I wanted to say a little bit more about that. That's why it took a little bit longer there. But prayer is the second one. Proverbs 15 verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. There's a beautiful verse for you to meditate on. Write it down. You know what? Tomorrow when you run into trouble, you know what you do? You say, Father, it's written there in Proverbs 15:29 that you are far from the wicked, but you hear the prayer of the righteous. Thank you, Lord, that you are hearing my prayer today. That's the comfort. Now, what is the last cornerstone? Verse 7 and 8. He says, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. What happens here? He goes from obey to prayer to praise. That is the third cornerstone. Praise. How are you still praising God? You know, I always ask the people, what is the shortest way between A and B? What is the shortest way? It's a straight line. You go from A to B straight line. I work in, 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 a, uh, in a secular world, and when I bring new technology, new software, I say to them, what is the shortest way from A to B? I don't want to click one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine clicks before I get to B. I want to click one click. And here it is for you and me, brothers and sisters. You're in your problems. You're in your worries. You sit there, mochetroche. That's a South African word for cast down, okay? Mochetroche. You can use it if you want to. You sit there and you say, oh, mochetroche, problems. Everything is happening around me. The fastest for you to get to praise is prayer. The fastest for you. Listen to me today. The shortest direct line for you between problems and praise is prayer. If you run into problems in your life, hit your knees. Call upon Him. And maybe the Holy Spirit will show you something that you are disobedient in. And you need to obey that. You need to correct that. How do you correct it? You run to Him quickly and you confess. You say, Father, help me. Help me. I confess. I failed. And you know what he says? If you draw near to him, what will he do? He will draw near to you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, he says, If we pray and your prayers is according to his will, we know that we have petitions with him and we know that he hears our prayers. So here you sit this morning and you say, You don't know my problems, preacher. And I don't. You don't want my problems, preachers. And I don't. 
<laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't want your problems. I've got enough of my own. But I know where mine is. It's not on my shoulders anymore. Because I've read something in the Bible that says, Cast your burdens unto Jesus for He cares. Have you done that? Here is three cornerstones for a happy life. And maybe we will continue on next time as we continue in Psalm 19. Do you enjoy Psalm 19? Have I got the sale of approval to continue? I'm not asking your approval. I'm getting it from the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to do it. But here it is. Brothers and sisters, let's obey. Let's obey. Be an obedient child of God. Even today, you might have been sitting here. And you sit there and, and the Lord is, you know, the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. He works with your conscience, isn't it? He works with your conscience. He calls something up and you say, the thing that's holding me back, and you, maybe you're thinking about it right now, the thing that's holding me back is that unforgiveness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. And now we're preaching forgiveness. And what do you need to do? Obey. And then hit your knees and start praying to God. And then what do you do? Praise. Have you started praising God for your troubles? Wow. <laughs> now, let me just warn you, let me just warn you not to pray that prayer. But listen to me. If you just, because why am I saying this? Does it sound foreign? No, no. If you start to think that everything that happens to you as a child of God carries His approval, even your troubles and times, and you come to him and you say, Father, I thank you for this because I need to learn something. I need to learn something. There's always, there's always a praise when you go in prayer. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, it's not a deep theological word this morning, but it's a word that we can ha hold on to, Father. We want to obey you, Lord. And the way that we obey you, Father, is you've written down for us, Father, instructions, and you showed us the way, Father, that we can live this life. Father, we want to come to you in prayer. We want to pray, Lord, as, as the psalmist cry out, Oh, Lord, Father, I want to walk in your statues. Help us, Father, to be close to you in prayer. And then, Father, we want to praise you this morning. I want to give you the praise, Father, of my heart. I want to worship and praise you and lift your name on high. Father, thank you, Father, that you know exactly where I am in my life right now. And you also know exactly where I'm going to be two weeks from now and three weeks from now. Father, I leave that in your hands. And I pray that you direct our footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen.